0: Hey, welcome to Blue Wire. After you finish listening to this awesome Blue Wire podcast, make sure you check out the other pods in our Blue Wire family. Okay, I know, you're probably wondering, how do I do that? Well, it's simple. Go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and search Blue Wire. Ta-da! They will all be there, so have fun listening. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Welcome back to another jam-packed edition of the Draft Board Podcast. I am your host, Jordan Reed. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. That's at J-R-E-I-D-N-F-L. You can follow my work also on cover1.net and also over on climbingthepocket.com. Make sure to check out all of those platforms. You can find my work there as well as many others that I have worked with in the past as well. So be sure to check out that. We have a jam-packed edition today. Because we have so many things to discuss, we're going to continue on with our State of the Franchise series with the Carolina Panthers, who have the 16th overall pick. We're going to skip over the 17th overall pick because we've already talked about the New York Giants, even though we haven't talked about them since acquiring the 17th overall pick. We did talk about them when they had the 6th overall selection, so I'm going to circle back to them eventually. I want to make sure I get to every team on my list while we're going through this entire series, so we're going to go from 16 to 18 to 19. The Minnesota Vikings have the 18th overall selection. We're going to cover them in depth. We're going to finish with the Tennessee Titans, who have the 19th overall selection. But first, I want to discuss my draft guide. And this is something that is officially up for pre-order. And partnering with the Raleigh Rise Against Hunger Foundation is something that I have done since my college days when I was venturing out in doing community service I actually ran into this program during my senior year of college in 2013 and uh, something that I've always wanted to do is give back to the local community and I wanted to figure out how I could partner something that I loved with community service and with this draft guide this is exactly what I have done just to shed a little light about what actually the Rise Raleigh Rise Against Hunger Foundation is it was founded in 1998 it was actually rebranded in 2017 And they're just trying to fight hunger, not only in the United States, but internationally as well. well. So they have various locations, not just here or in Raleigh, North Carolina, I should say. They have locations in South Africa, Malaysia, India, and even the Philippines. So it's just striving against hunger everywhere across the world. So with your $10 that you pay with the Draft Guide, we're doing a service to you. But we're also helping to stop hunger as well. So that's something that I love to do. And I just think it's a great partnership because you're not only satisfying your needs, but you're donating to a great cause as well. Now with the actual draft guide, everything that's included within it is background information on over 200 prospects. I think we're actually up to 225 actual prospects this year. So much more in depth than last year where I just released an actual Microsoft Excel document or PDF, I should say, just listing my actual board and just maybe a paragraph or two of actual thoughts on them. This year we have background information, positives and negatives, actual scheme fits, and my projection for each and every player included within the guide. And I'm going to include my final top 200 big board within it. There's just so much information packed inside of this. This has been a 12-month project, something that I have been doing since last summer. So I'm really happy to see how it all came together, and I cannot wait to get it out to you guys. And the sample preview, just the thoughts that have been shared about it. And the light that has been shed on it has been really positive. And I just want to thank every person that has purchased or pre-ordered the draft guide to this point. And if you haven't done so, make sure you head over to CoverOne.net. And I'm going to make sure that we add in the show notes that we have the link associated with the pre-order purchases. The first team that I want to get into on this episode's edition of the State of the Franchise series is the Carolina Panthers, who owned the 16th overall selection. They had a 7-9 and record last year. And coming into last year, they really thought that they were going to be one of the better teams in the NFC South, and it just didn't work out that way. They ended the year with a 1-7 and record, and that just goes to show you the type of skid that they went on to conclude last year, and a team that just dwindled as the year went along. And they have a host of needs on this team, but I thought they did a good job of plugging their holes through free agency. They signed Matt Paradis to a three-year, $29 million deal. They brought back Darrell Williams, and we'll see if he can return to his pre-injury form. After having a knee injury last year, they added Bruce Irvin for some help off of the edge. And an alarming stat that I found out about the Carolina Panthers is that they finished 27th in the league last year in sacks. So that goes to show you that their number one need is help off of the edge. They have to find a way to replace Julius Peppers, who has now retired, And they just don't have any other presence coming off of the edge. And in that division with Drew Brees, Matt Ryan, and a host of other quarterbacks that are very talented in the NFC in general, they have to find a way to generate some type of pass rush. And they just do not have that on the roster right now. So... If you bring in a guy like a Cleveland Farrell at 16, I think that could satisfy that need that you do have off of the edge. But another stat that is very, very evident about the Panthers is that they have never drafted a Clemson player in their entire history as a franchise which I found to be fascinating because they're right there in Clemson's backyard. So maybe they think that is just too close or, or why they stay away from Clemson players, but they just do not like taking chances on them. And they don't have any previous history of failing with any of their types of players or anything of that sort. But They're just known to stay away from them. And maybe it is too close or it's too close to their parameters. I really don't know. But I think adding Cleveland Farrell at 16, I think that could be a fantastic fit for them. And why do I say that? They not only need help off of the edge, but they need to have some type of identity on that first level of their defense. They have Kawan Short, who has turned out to be a really good player. But outside of that, they don't have anybody on the interior or the exterior that really stands out, that teams really do fear they have to game plan against. And now if you're able to bring in Farrell, now you're starting to build not only some depth, but you're also starting to generate that type of edge presence that you need that you haven't had since the glory days of a Julius Peppers. And when they went on that Super Bowl run, which seems so long ago, but they just haven't had that feared pass rusher since that point over the long haul. And yes, they have had some guys in spurts, but they just haven't had that guy year in and year out that teams just absolutely fear when they play the Carolina Panthers. And another position that they could look to address now that Matt Khalil has moved on to the Houston Texans is offensive tackle. They do not have a blindside protector for Cam Newton right now on the roster. Taylor Moten looks like it's going to be moved back along the interior, but they do not have a left tackle to protect the blind side of Cam Newton. And now with him coming off yet another shoulder injury, they have to find some consistency at that spot to where they can find a guy that can be at that spot year in and year out that they can depend on to take care of Cam Newton because Cam Newton is getting older. He's starting to get banged up and beat up, and they don't need him to suffer any more devastating hits like he took last year. He took an absolute beating last year because of Matt Khalil not being able to stay stay healthy, and they just didn't have the dependable tackles outside of Taylor Moten to really depend on up front, and they just constantly were beaten up front. So now two names that they should have their eye on, and that's Andre Dillard from Washington State. And Jonah Williams from Alabama, I think either of those guys could be available at that 16th spot. And yes, they should select either one, whoever they do have higher on their board. Now, as a pass protector, I think Andre Diller is much more farther along than what Jonah Williams is right now. And he possesses a bit more length than what you would like at that spot. And he's a bit more fluid than what Jonah Williams does currently have as far as a footwork standpoint. And I think Dillard could be a good pick there. But with Jonah Williams, you had that versatility not only at the left tackle spot but at guard as well, which is another position that they do need help at. So if you're not comfortable with placing him at that left tackle spot, you could transition him. Inside to guard and you could play around a little bit with your lineup because I actually like Taylor Mode. I think he's a promising piece that they could use in the future. And it kind of was a bit surprising that they did bring back Darrell Williams. And yes, I know he was a good player prior to his injury. But with Taylor Moten, he's much younger, and he's cheaper right now, still on his rookie deal. So I thought they probably would opt to keep him at right tackle as opposed to now sliding him back inside and just keeping him in flux and switching his position. We'll see what they do end up doing at that offensive tackle spot. And another position that they could serve to address is safety. And the great thing about this draft class for the Panthers is that they're going to have their pick of the litter at safety. But one player I do have a star beside that I think they could get in the second round if they do so choose to do so and that's Darnell Savage from Maryland. You talk about a guy that can play any position on the back end of the defense and Carolina has needs all across their secondary. They do not have anybody outside of Eric Reed that teams really do fear. And James Bradberry, he has come along a bit Better than what they did expect initially early on. But I think he has plateaued a little bit. But he's going to be their starter outside that corner. And along with Bradbury, they have Dante Jackson, who I think is an extremely promising piece. I love Dante Jackson. Last year, I gave him a second-round grade. And I thought right away he was going to be one of the better nickel defenders, not only in the draft class of last year, but also throughout the league. And I think the upward trajectory that he has shown throughout the year, I think he's going to be a really promising piece for them for a long time. But you're adding in Darnell Savage with that, can play a multitude of positions not just maybe that nickel spot or that outside spot even though you do have jackson you're able to rotate him in various spots he can play single high on the top of the roof he can play a strong safety but he also can play around at that nickel spot if you want to continue to move around dante jackson or even if you want to play him on the outside some opposite of james bradbury because all they have right now is ross Cockrell, who i don't think is a promising piece that you're gonna have for the future. Corn Elder just hasn't been what they thought they were getting from him in the fifth round in 2017. So now you have a secondary that really is in flux. But now you add in Savage along with Dante Jackson, Eric Reed, James Bradbury. Now you're starting to once again, just like if you're able to add Cleveland Farrell, you're starting to create that depth on the back end of your defense. The next team I wanna get to is the Minnesota Vikings who hold the 18th overall selection. Compiling a 8-7-1 record last year, they were labeled as one of the more disappointing teams throughout the entire NFL. And rightfully so. You sign Kirk Cousins to the $84 million deal. You bring over Sheldon Richardson on a one-year $8 million deal, who has now went about his way to the Cleveland Browns. But this was one of the more talented rosters throughout the entire league. And they just did not live up to expectations. It was labeled as a Super Bowl or bust type of season. After the heartbreaking 38-7 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC Championship game in 2017, there was monumental expectations for this team coming into last season, and they just did not live up to it. You bring over Kirk Cousins that was seen as that final missing piece after letting Case Keenum go to the Denver Broncos. Kirk Cousins, I thought he had a decent year for the most part, but he just did not show up when the when the moments were the biggest. And that's always been the bugaboo about Kirk Cousins is that he just does not show up when the moment is the greatest. But on the flip side of that, you can blame the protection that was in front of him. The Vikings just did not have an up-to-par offensive line. They paid for an expensive car, but they didn't have the money to fix the utilities once it started to break down, and that's what happened to Kirk Cousins. They just did not have the protection for him, and it eventually broke down to where teams just started to exploit the weaknesses and the holes in it, and it was just an endless type of trend. So with that being said, they have to find a way to address the offensive line. They have to be able to do that in this draft. and. A lot of fans are going to be really upset if they do not select an offensive lineman early in this draft. And that's not to say they have to select one of 18, because something that the Vikings really do make a point of emphasis is that they are going to stick to their board. Whoever the highest player is on their board, they're going to continue to stack talent, and they're always going to take the best player available. They learned their lesson from 2016 when they selected Laquan Treadwell, which was seen as a forced pick, and it just hasn't worked out to this point. He's, pri- he's pretty much labeled as a bust to this point just because he hasn't lived up to expectations. And they don't want to have a repeat type of trend like that. I thought last year's draft worked really well for them, especially at the top. Mike Hughes was showing signs, positive signs, prior to his ACL tear. Brian O'Neill, they seem to have a franchise centerpiece as their right tackle spot. But now the offensive line is still in flux. Yes, I know they signed Josh Klein to a three-year, $15 million deal. It's, it's really a pay-as-you-go type of contract that is essentially a one-year deal, but they paid him like he's going to be a starter. So he's going to be the starter at right guard. We still don't know what's going to happen with Riley Reef. and I love Mike Zimmer's quote when he said that it just depends on how the draft board falls. He could be playing left guard next year. He could be playing left tackle. We don't really know right now. So whatever happens at 18 or even in their second-round selection, that's really going to determine where Riley Reef does play next year. He has played some guard before. It didn't work out really for him when he was in Detroit and earlier in his career, but the Vikings have always known to be experimental with their offensive line. And yes, I know it hasn't worked out in the past, but maybe this year may be different. Now that they have their right side pretty much set with Josh Klein and Brian O'Neill at that right tackle spot, Pat Effline I think he'll have a better year this year because he just wasn't healthy last year, missing all of training camp, a bunch of preseason games, and even some of the first few games of last year too. He's going to have a full offseason of being able to get in the weight room and strengthen that shoulder to where he can have a bounce back year. So there still remains a question at left guard and left tackle because we don't know where Riley Reef is going to play, but they're going to have a chance to address it in this draft. And something that I want to make known about the Minnesota Vikings is that they have not drafted an interior offensive lineman prior to the third round since 2006. When they selected Ryan Cook. So if they take an offensive lineman early, I think it's gonna be a tackle because they're they just do not take interior guys early on because they have a positional value type of chart that they stick to just like their board when they take the best player available. So with that being said, I think a guy like Andre Diller, I think he is a fantastic fit for them at eighteen. They're going to a zone type of blocking scheme, which they have been running in years past. But Gary Kubiak is coming over from the Denver Broncos, who I think is going to be a fantastic addition to that coaching room because he has a plethora of experience in the running game, which seems to be one of the biggest deficiencies of the Vikings offense last year. They just could not figure out how to run the football. And we all know Mike Zimmer takes a bit of an archaic, old-school type of approach. He wants to establish the run. That's why Gary Kubiak was bought over. And it kind of relaxes Kevin Stefanski a bit because something that I want to give Kevin Stefanski props for is that he is an offensive coordinator that is open-minded. Yes, he's younger, and he's not a know-it-all type of coach that some of these NFL coaches seem to be. But now he was comfortable enough with bringing Gary Kubiak over, and he didn't have any type of ego or anything like that because he wants as much help as possible because he just wants the most success for this offense. And bringing Gary Kubiak into the room along with Rick Dennison, who was another really good addition, a very well-respected offensive line coach throughout the league. So they're going to try their best to figure out this running game. With Andre Dillard, I think he could be firmly entrenched as your left tackle of the future. And now you talk about your bookends with Andre Dillard and Brian O'Neill, you slide Riley Reeve inside to guard, which seems to be a pretty much easier type of position to find throughout the draft as opposed to dependable type of tackles. On the flip side of that, it is very risky to have a rookie protecting, once again, the high-priced car that you bought in the offseason with Kirk Cousins. Protecting his blind side, that is very risky, but the Vikings have made an emphasis in years past to draft offensive linemen that are better pass protectors and they want to teach him the skills of how to be a run blocker and with Andre Dillard that is his biggest deficiency right now he just does not have a lot of strength throughout his body and he doesn't have a lot of experience as a run blocker because in the Washington State offense they are a team that just slung the ball all over the yard so he didn't get a lot of experience or exposure to the running game so that'll be something that is very foreign to him. Another approach that this team could look to take is something that they have done in years past, and that's simply to take the best player available on their board. And even going back to last year, that's exactly what they did with Mike Hughes and selecting him over a plethora of interior offensive linemen still on the board. Because Rick Spielman has said it repeatedly that the team is going to stick to their best player available on their board type of strategy. And Mike Hughes was exactly that last year. And the needs for this team outside of offensive line, I think, are tight end, a third wide receiver, and linebacker. I think they have to find a way to address those three needs immediately because they're lacking depth at all three of those spots. And Diggs and Thielen, there's just too much stress on them at the top. And if either one of those two ever suffer an injury, there is just no dependable backup behind them. Cal Rudolph is getting older. They've approached him about a restructure. So that tells you what the team thinks about him going forward. So they have to find a way to address that dynamic tight end that they have been searching for in years past. They've tried tried to fill it with late round tight ends in years past with David Morgan, who has turned into a really good blocking tight end. Tyler Conklin had some positive spurts last year, but he's more of a receiving threat that they're trying to make a blocker. But they need that dynamic mismatch type of tight end. And that's what I think Noah Fant could give them in the passing game. And the thing about Noah Fant is that He's a much better blocker than what he's given credit for. So if they want to stick to their guns like they have in years past and take the best player available, they could take a Noah Fant and then come back in the second round and take a guy like a Chris Lidstrom from Boston College who I think will be a fantastic fit in the team's zone scheme. Or they could go the alternate route and take Eric McCoy. So now you're addressing the interior offensive line and also you're taking the best player available at the top. So there's a lot of different type of mixtures that Rick Spielman could alter to do in this draft. But I'm really interested to see exactly the approach that he does take. Before we move on to the next team in the State of the Franchise series, who is the Tennessee Titans, who hold the 19th overall selection, here's a word from our sponsors. All right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and also a travel blade cover as well. Get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your front door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. Again, that's harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades comes with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund again make sure you go to harrys.com slash blue wire that's b-l-u-e-w-i-r-e to redeem your razor for only three dollars the final team that i want to get into today is the tennessee titans who hold the 19th overall selection they finished with a nine and seven record a year ago finished third in the afc south i thought they did a really good job this offseason of filling their immediate needs signing roger saffold to a four-year 44 million dollar contract to replenish that need at guard that they have sorely been lacking. They also brought in Cam Wake, and they found a backup quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. So they've checked off a lot of boxes as far as the immediate needs that they do have. Now some other needs or positions of need that I think they still do have. I still would like to see them get another edge rusher. Defensive tackle seems to still be a massive hole that they do have, opposite of Jarrell Casey. I still think they need another guard of some sort. Cornerback, wide receiver, tight end, the list goes on and on. Like I said, it's really hard to project where this team will go because they don't really have a lot of depth, especially on defense, and they have a lot of B-plus level players. And especially at wide receiver, they have Taewon Taylor, Tajay Sharp. Corey Davis just really hasn't lived up to expectations after being the number five overall selection a few years back, and he just hasn't had that production that we have been looking for from him since being taken so early in the draft now he has had spurts where he has showed some promise but he just hasn't strung it all together and that's something that we're looking forward to seeing him do next year but i still think they need that real roof stretcher in the building so if they want to take an emmanuel hall in the third round i think that could be a viable option for them as far as staying with those middle rounds in the third round they could take a guard like michael Dieter from wisconsin i think he could be a good fit for them there in that third round or even a guy like elton jenkins who can play center or even guard so he has that versatility that they're looking for now going back to the first round they're going to have their pick of the litter with edge rushers but it's going to be the tail end of the litter And what I mean by that is we know Bosa is going to go early, and we know a lot of other guys are going to go early. Josh Allen, Montez Sweat, just to name a few guys that are going to go in the top 12 of the draft. But at the tail end, now you're getting into a guy like Brian Burns, who I think could be a really good fit for the Tennessee Titans opposite of Harold Landry. And you're talking about some of those guys that that have a bit of a linear build, but they are just bendy type of edge rushers that you're looking for. And I think putting Burns opposite of Harold Landry, I think that could give them two types of premier edge rushers that can operate with their hand in the dirt or from the stand-up position, which both of those guys have shown to be comfortable from. And they tested off the charts. Harold Landry did slip to the second round because of the foot injury a year ago. But he showed some promise in spots as a rookie. And then Brian Burns, his stock is starting to ascend as we're getting closer to the draft. After his fantastic showing at the Combine, maybe he's not even there at the 19th pick. But for right now, we're going to stay in the now. I think he will be there for the Tennessee Titans at the 19th overall selection. And just coupling him with Harold Landry, I think that could be a good fit. Dexter Lawrence has been another popular pick, not at 19, but in the second round, which I think would be good value for him because they could use him as that head up nose zero technique in their 3-4 defensive front. It would free up Jarrell Casey a bit more than what he has been to this point, operating at that opposite defensive tackle position. But if they wanna leave Jarrell Casey presently where he is, they could look to take a guy like Christian Wilkins to put opposite of Casey as well along the interior. I just don't know if Wilkins would be really good as a two-gap type of player. Another player that could be there at 19 for them now it would be a bit early for him. His stock really is starting to ascend as we get closer to the draft and that's Jerry Tillery from Notre Dame. 6'6", 300 plus pounds. He's a very versatile player. He can play in a three-down defensive front or he can play in a four-down defensive front which is Mike Vrabel's specialty. He does do a little bit of mixture of both and Jerry Tillery has that mixture of where he can perform and operate at a high level in both schemes. Now, he did have a shoulder injury last year that did limit him down the backstretch of the year. But the first few games, he showed to be unstoppable in both types of schemes. He can two-gap, he can one-gap, he can do whatever you ask of him. So the team that does take Jerry Tillery is going to get that versatile type of player that I think Mike Vrabel does love because he can play in so many different schemes. And Mike Vrabel likes to switch up his defensive scheme with them games. He's not just strictly a three-down or a four-down front type of defensive guy. So Jerry Tillery has that room to operate in those multitudes or types of schemes. With the Carolina Panthers, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Tennessee Titans, three teams that could go in opposite directions concluding this draft, and they all have needs in certain areas with the Carolina Panthers. they have a need to offensive tackle and edge rusher, two position groups that are of one of the stronger position groups in this entire draft, so they're going to have their opportunity to address two of their dire needs with the Minnesota Vikings. Offensive line, that's what this draft is all about for them. They have to establish a way to protect their $84 million investment in Kirk Cousins at the top of this draft, whether that's an offensive tackle or if they just want to go best player available. We'll see the approach that Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer want to take, even though they've had a best player type of available approach the past few years. With the Tennessee Titans, there's so many different directions that they could go in this draft. Their immediate needs seem to be off of the edge, at defensive tackle, and even at guard. But they also could opt to go tight end. They've done a really good job of plugging their immediate needs through free agency. But at the top of the draft, at that 19th overall selection, they could opt to go edge rusher, whether that's Brian Burns, or they could go along the interior, whether that's a Christian Wilkins or a lot of other players that they could go in this draft. The State of the Franchise series continues next week with a look at the Steelers, who own the 20th overall selection, the Seattle Seahawks, who own the 21st overall selection, and then it will conclude with the Baltimore Ravens, who own the 22nd overall pick. Just to give a quick recap of the podcast and radio appearances that I have been on this week, I joined Mike Danger of ESPN Rochester 95.7 FM to discuss the upcoming draft guide that will be released on April 12th. Also, the Buffalo Bills and just some other notable names in this draft class. I joined Locked On Bills with Joe Marino on the Friday edition of the show, so be sure to check that out. Also, Locked On Raiders. I joined the host on Thursday to talk about Oakland, the number fourth overall selection and the other first round selections that they do have and how John Gruden and Mike Mayock can get the silver and black Back to their glory days. But I want to thank you once again for listening to the Draft Board Podcast. Be sure to click over to CoverOne.net to get your pre-order purchase of the draft guide. You don't want to miss out because you're donating to a good cause, but also you're getting to learn more in-depth knowledge about the draft prospects in this draft class. So be sure to go over to CoverOne.net. And go ahead and grab your copy. But once again, I am your host, Jordan Reed. You can follow me on Twitter at JReedNFL. That's at J R E I D NFL. And once again, thank you for listening to episode 11 of the Draft Board Podcast.